Amen. But he does all things well. Praise God. I feel Jesus in the house today. And as my good friend, Brother Lee Stone King says, if Jesus is in the house, anything can happen. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. Always good to be in Palmer. Uh, <clears throat> kind of count this as home, if that's okay. Amen. And uh, send greetings to your pastor and Sister Herring. And Sister Herring, a very, very happy, happy, happy birthday. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, this is a team thing. Amen. <clears throat> I said this is a team effort. One of the presidents was visiting uh, the Cape to see a rocket blast off. And on his way, he suddenly had to use the men's room. And uh, Secret Service went in and uh, out came a janitor with his mop bucket and stood to the side. The president went in. And when he came out, he turned to the janitor and stuck at his hand and shook his hand. And he said, thank you for being part of the team. Thank you for being part of the team. Hey, I'm just glad to be a part of the team. Praise God. Amen. He has placed in the church. Amen. Apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers for the edifying of the body of Christ. And if I can do anything just to edify the church today, amen, I will be thrilled. Amen. Praise God. Well, uh, told Pastor Herring it's kind of ironic that I am here preaching today on the fifth anniversary of the passing of Sister Orveda Churchill. Five years. Sometimes it seems like it was just yesterday. And then other times, wow, time goes so quickly. Amen. And I am glad for the uh, 51 years that the Lord gave us to be together. Amen. And uh, <clears throat> we do not sorrow as those that do not have any hope. Amen. Wonderful assurance to know that she's in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Thank God. Well, everything is fine. Amen. I feel, I really feel the beautiful presence of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank God. Brother Clint Playle. 
Thank you for being my friend for so many, many years. Amen. Good, good times we've had together. Amen. The, <clears throat> the dirt that Sister Playle throws my way every now and then is greatly appreciated. When I was here, oh, few weeks ago on a Tuesday and we uh, had food after and Sister Playle had made dirt and there was a bowl set aside for me and I forgot it. Does that tell you something, Sister Playle? Amen. I thought he was my friend. <laughs> really? Mm. <laughs> Forgiveness is granted. December 17th. Wow. Time sure does fly. Mm -mm -mm. Remember when 2000 rolled around? All the computers are going to crash and the end of the world was coming. And here we're almost to 2024. Wow. Amen. Again, I give honor to your pastor, a friend of mine again for so many, many years. Love and appreciate them. And uh, it's good to have my daughter with me today, Kim. <clears throat> and especially good, especially, especially good have my granddaughter, Ellis, and her new husband, Jameson. I told my kids if we could have had the, gotten the grandkids without them, they'd have been history. Amen. Praise God. Uh, I want to turn your attention to the word of the Lord today. Uh, to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew 19, and we'll go to verse 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Anybody here today concerned with eternal life? Mm. 
Spanish explorer came to Florida by the name of Ponce de Leon. And he was looking for what? The fountain of youth. Never found it. But yet there's something in the bosom of man. I, I don't just want life, I, eternal life. And he, Jesus, said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if, I know they're two small words, but yet they're huge. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, which? Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father, thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, A few of these I have kept, a couple of them. No. He said, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, give it to the poor, thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And these words, and come. Follow me. Be one of mine. There's that little three-letter word again. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. For he had great possessions. For the next couple hours, I mean... Uh, for the next little bit here, I'd like to speak to you on this subject. Requirements of the king. Requirements of the king. Lord, we love you today and we thank you for your presence, Jesus. Thank you that you would grace us, Lord, to come and be with us today. Now, Lord, I pray, God, your word is already blessed and anointed. You said it would not return unto you void. Touch my lips, I pray. Touch our hearts and our ears. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. What we have here this morning that I have taken for my text is one of the saddest stories in the Gospels, if not the entire Bible. I know there are many here today that have read, pondered, and studied this incident. 
as I have over the years, read it numerable times, pondered it. And I think we have to believe, we have to come to the conclusion that this young man is in earnest. He's very much in earnest coming to Jesus. But his earnestness just doesn't have the volume. It just doesn't have the force to take him over the bar. It's like the high jumper looking at that bar set at a certain height. It's his third and last attempt to clear the highest that he's ever jumped before. He puts everything else out of mind. He concentrates solely on that bar. He sways back and forth and then with a very determined look on his face, he runs to what they refer to as his takeoff point where he would begin to jump. He propels himself into the air and he thinks with a smile on his face. He thinks he's made it, but just enough of his jersey and his back hits the bar, sending it to the floor, and he falls to the mat, dejected, defeated. This young man is a lot like Naaman, the leper who came to Elijah to be healed. Naaman had it already made up in his mind how things should be. The prophet will come out and wave his hands and mumble jumble or ask me to do something great. But when the word came, go wash and be clean, he couldn't accept it. And this young man probably wishes to have some great thing bidden for him to do. And he recoils from the sharp test that the Lord imposes. He truly wants the prize. I said he really wants the prize of eternal life. But suddenly the cost is too great. And yet he wishes it so very, very much. He doesn't just shrug his shoulders and nonchalantly walk away. No, he goes away without the prize in great sorrow. Now it seems to me that I pick up a certain severity in the Lord's tone a certain absence of recognition of much good that was found in the young man. And a very laid bare stringency in his demand from him. Which again, almost sounds harsh. But when set in the true light, when we read this incident in the Gospel of Mark, 
we must take note, it says, Jesus loved him. And because he loved him, he treated him the way that he did. Let me tell you today, Palmer Pentecostals, the truest, the best, the highest way to draw souls to the kingdom of God is not to flatter them. It's not to make the entrance easy by dropping the standard or hiding the requirements. The best way is to call out the highest earnestness by setting before people a lofty idea. Hey, you're not stepping down when you come to this, but you are achieving to climb higher when you come to this. As my mentor Wayne Trout often said, you can come from anything to this, but you cannot go from this to anything. Amen. Easy-going disciples are easily made, and they're easily lost. But determined, thorough-going disciples are most surely won by calling for entire, 100% surrender to Jesus Christ. It's more than a song, my friend. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. It can't be just words. It has to be a way of life. Now, three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Tell us something about this seeker of eternal life. Matthew informs us that he was young and he was rich. One of the gospel writers doesn't say just rich. He was very rich. Luke adds to the story by telling us that he was a ruler in the synagogue. He was an official which was quite unusual for a man of his age. And it also indicates that his legal blamelessness was recognized by society. I've already mentioned Mark includes the fact that Jesus loved him. And Mark also tells us how he came to Jesus. Again, he just didn't come sauntering, sauntering up, casual, you know. No, Mark tells us that he ran to him in the way. And when he got to Jesus in humbleness and in reverence, he fell at his feet. I think we also have to take into consideration he came to the Lord for a purely religious reason, purpose. He was not seeking some personal advantage for himself. He wasn't like the crowds following the Lord for free lunch. 
He wasn't seeking a cure in his body. He wasn't sick. He didn't come trying to lay a trap for the Lord and uh, say things that might entangle him with the authorities. No, his motive was pure. His motive was honest. And his greatest desire was to lay hold of eternal life. His greatest desire. Now he was correct in recognizing that conditions for possessing eternal life were moral. I said they're immoral, above board. But his conception of good was very superficial because he thought more of doing good than being good. I said he thought more of doing than being. Yeah, we need to do, but friend, before we do, we need to become good and we've got to realize that our righteousness in his eyes uh, is as filthy rags. No matter what I do. I've got a very good friend. And he's a good man. And he does a lot of good things for people. But in talking to him at different times, it just bleeds through that because of these good deeds I do and the good things I do, they make me good. No, 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 friend. Amen. It's not your good deeds that make you good. The only thing that makes you good is the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, I know in this flesh dwelleth no good thing. Amen. And if I achieve any goodness in this life, uh, it's not because of anything that I have learned or I have done, but, but it's only through the grace uh, and the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Uh, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. He thought eternal life was a repayment for the good actions that he chose to do. In other words, he stood at the point of view of the old dispensation that says, this do and thou shalt live. That was his belief. That was, and what he was seeking for was just further instruction, tell me what this word this means. This do. This do. The scripture doesn't plainly say it. But again, in reading and studying this incident many, many times, 
the different views of the Lord's reply in asking the young man a question. When, G when the young man comes and said, good master, Jesus in turn says to him, why callest thou me good? There is only one good, and that is God. So he relegates the question not to the Lord's conscience, but to the authoritative revealed will of God in the law. Okay? Now, modern views of the Lord's work, which put all its stress on the perfection of his moral character, his office as a pattern of righteousness, that is stressed so very, very much. Now, please hear me. I think that can be well rebuked by the fact that the Lord expressly disclaimed this character and he declared that, hey, if you're just regarding me as another teacher, if you're just regarding me as another rabbi, as another holy man, mm -mm -mm. If I'm just another one republishing the law of human conduct, then he said my work is needless. In other words, he's telling them, men, men already have enough knowledge of what they must do to enter into life without another one coming to tell him what to do. What? Please bear with me. There is no doubt that the Lord's moral teaching is way beyond that given of the old. No doubt. Jesus said, you have heard the old hate your enemies. But I tell you, Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Treat them good that persecute you. Turn the other cheek. You have read in the old, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I'm taking you to a higher level. I tell you, if a man looks at a woman and lusts after her in his heart, he's already committed the act. So there's no doubt the Lord's moral teachings were way, way beyond that of the old. But his special work, hear me now, his special work was not to tell men what they had to do, but rather to make it possible for them to do it. Jesus said the law, or Paul said the law was weak through the flesh. Paul said, in my mind, I want to do what is right. I have good intentions, but when I go to do it, I find myself doing what I don't want to do. 
Jesus comes saying, hey, the law is good. The law is righteous. But because of the weakness of your flesh, you can't keep it. But I have come to give you life. And that more abundantly. I have come to give you power. I have come to give you authority uh, over the enemy of your soul. I have come to let you know you are more than conquerors uh, through me. Hallelujah. I have come to tell you uh, that the power of the Holy Ghost uh, will enable you uh, to live an overcoming life. Uh, amen. I'm not coming to tell you no, no, no. I'm coming to say, hey, uh, I've got, hallelujah, if I dwell in you uh, and you dwell in me, praise God, uh, greater, greater is he uh, that is in you. So he came to give not the law, but the power, both the motive and the impulse to fulfill the law. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yes, Lord. That higher level. Amen. That higher level that you want me to achieve, I, I can't do it in myself. I'm too weak. But thank God through the power of your spirit. We join the apostle, apostle as he writes to his son in the gospel, Timothy. He's about to go out and put his head on the chopping block. And writing to Timothy, said, I want you to know one thing, Timothy. I have fought a good fight. Amen. Are you fighting a good fight today? I said, are you fighting a good fight today? Not as one that beateth the air. But I keep my body under subjection. Hallelujah. I walk in the spirit uh, so I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Uh, and I'm fighting a good fight. Hallelujah. Amen. The Lord has laid out a course for me. Uh, and I have finished that course. Hallelujah. Woo. I said I finished the course. Uh, I've kept the faith. Stuff's inspiring. Now at the end of the 17th verse, Jesus says to this rich young ruler, if thou wilt enter into life, please take note that first word, if. We all have a choice to make. I said we all have a choice to make. Could have gotten up today and looked out and said, ah, roads are going to be nasty. It's cold and snowy. And I'll be in Florida in a couple weeks. Woo! 
sitting on the beach, hearing the Atlantic roll in. Oh, I love it. <laughs> if thou wilt enter into life. And then Jesus said, keep the commandments. And people didn't fall back. Oh, wow, what a revelation. Wow, isn't that? No. Again, they knew that. You have to keep the command. Now remember, they're in the dispensation of law. They're not in grace yet. And so, keep the commandments. That was... The requirement. I said that was the requirement. You're talking about eternal life right now. He says to this young man, keep the commandments. That's the requirement. That is what has to be done. As the young man shrugs his shoulders Wanted more specific words, and so he says to the Lord, well, which? A lot of commandments, which? To which the Lord tells him, thou shalt not do murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, in my mind's eye, this is just Stuart Churchill, okay? I see this young man at this point looking at Jesus almost dumbfoundedly. Again, I don't know if he was expecting something great, hard, something he'd never heard of. But his look says, you've got to be kidding. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> That's it? That's it, keep basically the Ten Commandments? Why, from what I've been hearing of your great wisdom and teaching, I surely thought some great thing would be involved here outside of the requirements. And then I think it hit him. Wait a minute. Jesus. Those things you just listed to me. I've kept those practically all my life. That's nothing new to me. A huge smile comes to his face. He turns. Hey, everybody. I've met the requirements to obtaining eternal life. Amen. I've met the requirements. <laughs> and now as I have eternal life uh, tucked under my arm, uh, hey, let's rejoice. Let's, let, amen, let's have a good time. Uh, 
Maybe he had friends there, and they're caught up in the thrill of the moment and shaking his hand, congratulating him. And goes on for a little bit, but then he pauses. And he thinks. No. <laughs> Too easy. There has to be something else. I've met the requirements. Turn to your neighbor and say, I've met the requirements. Something's nagging at his brain. The smile leaves his face. And the words which we read in our scripture setting the words come tumbling out of his mouth. What lack I yet? Ooh, I just felt the move of the Holy Ghost. I've met the requirements, what you have to do. But, hey, Lord, what lack I yet? So I bring it down to December 17th, 2023. Here we are in the last couple weeks of this year. If you're a sincere child of God and it's sincere anyone seeking eternal life, I'm quite certain there's been some soul searching going on and will continue till the end of this month. So, how has the year gone? Oh, I'm glad you got the promotion. I'm glad you got the pay raise. I'm glad you got approved for, for that new home. But I'm not so much concerned with the physical right now. But spiritually, how has the year gone? Do you look back over 2023? Can you see more positives than negatives in your walk with God? Hey, you can fool me. You can fool Brother Playo, Brother Stacy, and others. But you can't fool God. Don't forget, he's an omniscient God. He knows all things. He knows the very thoughts you think before they're ever put into words. He knows. I trust the answer is yes. Oh, Pastor Herring, I've kept the requirements. Pastor Herring, Micah 6.8, big, big letters on my refrigerator. Micah 6.8, plastered on my mirror in my bedroom. Almost everywhere I look in the house, I see Micah 6.8. He has showed thee, O oh man, what is good. 
<laughs> and what doth the Lord require of thee? Not a whole lot. Do justly. Love mercy. Please note, it doesn't say to have mercy. You must love mercy. Big difference, friend. You can have mercy, but do you love mercy? By God's grace, at last my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the law I'd spurned. Till my guilty soul imploring turned to Calvary. Mercy there was great, hallelujah. Jesus Christ just didn't have mercy. He loves mercy. I said he loves mercy. Brother Bob, we've got to not just have mercy. We've got to love mercy. We've got to love people. Amen, Sister Hall. We've got to take what we have here out there with love and compassion. And walk humbly with thy God. So let's be real. Let's be honest this morning. Again, I'm glad. Yeah, I see more positives. I see growth from 2022. I've made advancements. But before I go out of here rejoicing in my walk with the Lord for this year, don't, don't you think we should all ask God, Lord, is there anything I'm lacking in my walk with you? Is there anything lacking... Young man, I'm glad you've met the requirements. I'm glad you met what you have to do. But then Jesus took it to a whole nother level when he turned to him and said, the one thing you lack, not a half a dozen, not a dozen, not a pay, no. The one thing you lack, you go sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. Take up your cross and follow me. Friend, go to the law. Go to the law and show me where it was required that a man had to sell all he had. No, Brother Playle, it's not there. I'm glad for Acts 2.38. I'm glad for requirements. But hey, friend, if you think that's the end of the road, you've got another thought coming. Amen. Lord, is there anything that I'm lacking today, God? Turn the searchlight of heaven. Yeah. 
preached in Sterling last Sunday. I told those folks years ago when our kids were very young, we were living in Dover, Delaware. And uh, my wife were in, my wife and I were involved in their Christian school. And one morning we got up and we were getting ready for the day. And Matt came out of the bathroom to the kitchen. He was rubbing his eye. And when he took his hand away, I saw his eye was red and inflamed. I said, Bud, what, what's the matter? He said, I don't know, Dad. He said, I just, I got something in my eye. And tears are running down from it. As breakfast continued to go on, uh, I saw it wasn't getting any better. And there started to be some swelling. And so we took Kristen and Kim on to school, and then we took Matt to the ER. And when we got called in, we told the doctor what had happened. Well, at the breakfast table, when Matt said, you know, I, I, I got something in my eye, we brought him over and put, a, put him under the kitchen light, you know. We had him roll his eye around and couldn't see a thing. Nothing was there, but something was there. So the doctor put Matt up on the examining table, and above that table was a huge, huge lamp light, big, big light. And he reached up, and he pulled it down close to Matt's face, and he said, now, Matt, I'm going to turn this light on, and it's going to be very, very bright, so be ready. And he flipped that switch, and immediately, Sister Playle, we saw a little speck over in the corner of his eye. He just reached in with tweezers, took it out, problem solved. I tell you that to tell you this, that we are approaching unto the light. Amen. And a brighter light that's going to shine on your pathway in 2024 than shined on it in 2023. And as you get closer to that light, that light's going to reveal things in your life that last year you had no concern about. But now the Spirit of God checks you uh, and said, if you want to go deeper with me, uh, if you want to go higher with me, uh, I have sent this light to expose it. Now get rid of it. What are you going to sell eternity for, friend? I said, what are you going to sell eternity for? Some little worldly treasure down here that when held up to the light of eternity... Doesn't matter a smithing. Hey, there is nothing in this world worth keeping me out of heaven. I ask this congregation today. I don't know all of you. I don't know if this is the first time, a second time, only a couple times. But I ask you in sincerity, have you met the requirements for eternal life set out in the Word of God? 
I said, have you met the requirements? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Are you born again of water and spirit? According to John chapter 3 and verse 5, when Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said, you must be born again. Amen. No quabbling, no, let's debate this, no. God Almighty says, you must. <laughs> you must be born again of water and spirit. Have you joined the throng of people who cried out to Peter on that day of Pentecost? Uh, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And then have you responded in faith? Amen. And did you repent? Have you been baptized by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins? Have you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Evidence of speaking in other tongues. Hear me today. There are requirements. There are requirements. Brother Plato. I need to sit down a minute. Is that okay? <laughs> We're going to have a little conversation here. I am. If you all want to listen in, that's fine. But friend, I get so sick and tired. I just get so fed up with people that never open their Bible. Never read the scripture. Never bow their knee in prayer. Never thank the Lord for his provision. Never thank the Lord for his protecting hand. I get... The only time they use the name of the Lord is in cussing. I get so, and what I get sick and tired of is that upon their death, automatically they're in heaven. I get so sick and tired of that. And I'm just venting here for a little bit. But people that have no regard for the church... Never darken the church door. Are you saying I've got to go to church to be saved? Well, the Apostle Paul said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And the much more as you see the day approaching. Oh, got numberless people walking streets of gold. They never met the requirements. So, if you're not here today, I'm telling you, in love, there are requirements that you have to meet. You do have to be born. <laughs> but the requirements are just the beginning of a journey. Those of us that have been on the journey for a few months, some of you maybe a few years, and I know some of you many years, 
When was the last time you, when was the last time Stuart Churchill fell to his knees and asked the Lord, what lack I yet? You better ask yourself that question today, friend. In other words, the Lord is telling us, I believe that there's more to this thing than Acts 2.38. Now, I'm not diminishing, Brother Robbie, Acts 2.38 and being born again, but there's more to it. As I've said before, there's one book to get us in the church, and then there are all the epistles to keep us in the church. And don't go to Ephesians and try to push down my throat. By grace are you saved. Uh, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Uh, I'm going to take you to Acts 19. Uh, where Paul came again uh, to disciples in Ephesus. Uh, and found out they were just baptized to John's baptism. Uh, and amen. Paul told them, hey, uh, John baptized with water unto repentance. Uh, preaching there was one following that would baptize with the Holy Ghost. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. He laid his hands on them. And they received the Holy Ghost. But there's more to it. What lack I yet? Will you be willing to join the apostle? Philippians 3.8 I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them as dung. I get this time of the year and my nose and feet get confused. My feet smell and my nose runs. But I have suffered the loss of all things. Why, Paul? That I may win Christ. We haven't, we haven't got there yet, Brother Playo. But we're striving. Amen. New Year's resolutions. Oh, my. I'm going to exercise, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to do this, blah, blah, blah. And by March 1st, they're all gone by the wayside. Right at the very top. That I may win Christ. God, let that be my main desire that I may win Christ. <laughs> Paul goes on, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that, for which also I am apprehended of, Je of Christ Jesus. And then the 14th verse, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, oh, if you've met the requirements, I'm glad for you. Uh, 
I'm happy for you, but oh, let's strive on. Hallelujah. God, whatever the cost, whatever I have to lay aside this year, let me count it as dung that I may win you. You can stand. Oh, Jesus. If you haven't met the requirements, this altar is open. You can come and repent. There is water. You can be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You can leave here filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Evidence of speaking in other tongues. You can meet the requirements today. But then there's others that we need to just say, Lord, what lack I yet? Lord, what more can I do? One last thing about this rich young ruler. And that is he came to the Lord on the basis of minimums. What do I have to do? Not what can I do for the kingdom of God? How can I enhance the kingdom of God? I'll scrub out the bathrooms. (laughs) I'll grab a shovel and shovel snow. I'll do the most minimal thing because I'm a team player. Hallelujah. I'm a team player, praise God. I don't want to serve God, Brother Bob, just on the basis of minimums. I want to serve him on the basis of maximums. I want to hear him say, well done. Anybody else want to come and pray?